Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. It's summer, and for us, summer means grilling out, working in the yard, and watching baseball movies instead of actual baseball. For this episode, we're watching Bull Durham, a well-loved Kevin Costner classic that is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. While I love a good Kevin Costner flick, I haven't seen Bull Durham before, so we thought it would be a great one to fill out my roster of baseball movies. Bull Durham was well-received upon its release, thanks in large part to Kevin Costner's unending 1980s star power, which was bolstered by great performances by the terrific Susan Sarandon and up-and-comer Tim Robbins. At the box office, it earned over $50 million, no small change for a movie of its kind. Critics were mostly charmed by its unexpected brand of comedy and its easygoing take on baseball and love. The screenplay by writer-director Ron Shelton earned the film its only Oscar nomination. But is Bull Durham the baseball movie we need? Or is it a movie that knows its cliches a little too well? Keep listening. So is this going to happen? Us? I'm committed to Nuke for the season. Oh. You had your chance the other day. What is it that you see in this guy? I mean, he's a young, wild, dim, pretty boy. Young men are uncomplicated. And he's not dim. He's just inexperienced. It's my job to give him life wisdom and to help him get on to the major leagues. Well, that's funny. That's my job, too. Damn. <laughs> You're pulling your hips. I know, I know, I know, but they're nice hips. All right, so in case you couldn't uh, tell the context of that from the audio, that was uh, Annie Savoy, played by Susan Sarandon in a batting cage. That's what all the clinking was yeah, in there. Man. Talking to Crash Davis, uh, that was Kevin Costner's character, Crash Davis, mm-hmm. about really what she sees as her uh, her mission or her purpose for the season investing in uh, Ebby Calvin Lelouch, or uh-huh. Nuke. Nuke Lelouch. Uh, Nuke Lelouch, played, played by, by Tim, Tim Robbins. Robbins. Yeah, she's a, a very committed fan uh, to that's the Durham, one word for it. Durham Bulls. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's from Bull Durham, the the movie that we are discussing, because it is uh-huh. summertime. We've uh-huh. got our summer shandy here we that we are partaking in, quenching S- our thirst. Somebody in the neighborhood is shooting off fireworks. Yes. <laughs> that's so typical may, of my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> You may hear fireworks in the background. Yeah. But um, it's fitting. Sure, it is. It's a great, great it's background. Good atmosphere. Uh-huh. We are on our blanket uh, in mm-hmm. the backyard mm-hmm. watching, the fireflies watching or, the fireworks. Yeah. You're done with school? Yep, I am. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't feel like it's, uh, it's been uh, rainy in 60s and Well, yeah, that, I guess that's true. But we did think it was fitting to do a baseball movie, our, yeah, our second our baseball second movie. Base. It's we, not a, quite an yeah. annual thing. Um, but, you know, there's enough of them to, to do another one for the podcast. Yeah, I don't feel like other sports necessarily have like a, a, a whole genre. Like there are definitely Boxing. Hockey. Oh, that's true. But other that's than that, true. I think you're right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's hockey movies definitely, mm-hmm. and there's yeah. basketball movies. But as far as like the you know the baseball oh, movie, I mean, bo- yeah, I mean, I could probably name close movie. to a dozen right now yeah. of of just baseball movies. I bet you could. Yeah, I'm not going. I won't to. challenge you. Yeah. No, I, I trust you on that. I, I, that's a different podcast. Maybe if you said you could name a dozen hockey movies, I would say I'd like to hear that list. Well, at least like how many? Maybe six of them would be Mighty Ducks movies. <laughs> 
Were there? There were there were three, right? There was a couple. Three? I think there was a couple direct to video ones. Really? There D four. Wasn't that one? Was there a D four? I thought there was a D four. There might have been. You might be right. I could have been wrong. I I might have over said overstated with six, six. but four I think sounds four. right. That and miracle, and that's pretty much where I end. Well, slap shot. Oh, okay, we're gonna get to a dozen before we know it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you not better even... stop. <laughs> um, well, slap shot's actually not a bad one to bring up because I feel like Bull Durham's probably more in line with a movie like Slap Shot than it is with, say, The Natural or The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. But so, so you have not seen this movie? No. Uh, is there a reason? Do you? Are you? I mean, I'm not calling. I'm not calling you out. I'm not questioning your patriotism or your masculinity. But are you? Are you? <laughs> oh, you're not. Thank are you. you. <laughs> are you? Are you typically? Are you drawn to baseball movies? Not drawn to baseball movies? Does it have to be kind of a special baseball movie? I think I'm kind of ambivalent as far as yeah. baseball movies go. But I have seen quite a few. Yeah. Uh, like I, you know, I've, I I can name I can name about a dozen <laughs> baseball movies I've seen. <laughs> I've seen a lot of baseball movies. Episode and I, 64, the, the episode where we stumbled upon <laughs> one of Nate's unexpected overused Talents, phrases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, I could name a handful of baseball movies I really like. I, well, you know, I, like I, lo- I like uh, Moneyball a lot, Sandlot, oh, wow, yeah. um, you know, uh, Field of Dreams I do like a lot. I um, feel like, too, the 90s were especially uh, rife with kids' baseball movies. Yeah. Uh, Rookie of the Year... Um, Angels in the Outfield, mm-hmm. two just right there, two Disney, yeah. I think, based yeah. movies. And throw Sandlot in there with that. That's Sandlot. around the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think the 90s were kind of like the pinnacle of, of Little League? I have no idea. I don't either. I just feel like we were all in it. when I, I think, in, in my I town, think, at least, everyone did Little League. Here's what know? I think is different now. I think now it's like, if you're going to play baseball, Little League travel, you're like kind of in it. You've got to yeah. be like a big bait. Whereas... You didn't need as much devotion. When we were then. kids, it was... It was we all did it for yeah. whatever, six or eight weeks. Yep. And you had kids who were terrible, mm-hmm. kids that who was me. loved it. I was probably, yeah, I was probably there too. But I liked it. I did hit one home run. Did you? Uh-huh. I never did that, but I did catch. I was I, I was left field. Yeah, catcher. Um, oh. I, I was left field and I caught like two Well, left field's not flies. right field. That's right. There was one kid who was a little worse than I was. I talked about that in our Sandlot episode. David oh, was his that's name. Right. That's right. <laughs> but I did catch, like, I remember like two different games. I caught like the ball mm. that was like the out for the game. There you, you know? go. This was just, we didn't travel or anything. It was just other teams of the school. And, uh, oh, you played on a school team. It was like the little league. It was like all kids oh. from my school. Oh. And it was like, they just, they just kind of broke us up into teams and teams were actually sponsored by local businesses. So there was oh, a Dairy Queen team, a Kiwanis team, hmm. a Lions team. Sounds a little bit more official than any baseball I ever played. But it was just fun. Yeah. And, and they did keep score and there was like a playoffs and everything, but it was all sort of within the town. We didn't hmm. travel or anything. And I never played in a league that gave me like a full uniform. Did you? Really? Yeah. We had full hats, oh. everything. Yeah. I mean, we had hats and t-shirts. <laughs> but we had like the shirts, the pants, everything. I had yeah. never had the pants. I was kind of one of the pants. Yeah. They were kind of cool. Anyways, Bull, so so Bull Durham, I don't have a story for why I didn't see it, other than um, it's just not one that I caught. It is an adult baseball movie. Oh, like for it's sure. not one that is, absolutely. This isn't in the same camp as Rookie of the Year. No, you know? no, no, no. It's always been on my list because it does get talked about all the time yep. when you talk about sports movies, yep. and so I did finally see it. Yep. But I do want to hear your because uh, you had seen this movie. Yeah, well, it's a pretty unremarkable story. It was just one of those summers where I was watching blockbusters and summer movies. Mm-hmm. And, 
uh, I got Bull Durham from the library and I watched it. And I, at the end of it, I thought, well, I've seen Bull Durham. <laughs> How old were you, though? Is this like college? Is this like no, adulthood? Is adult, is, yeah. yeah. A couple years ago? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I was probably married. Yeah. So within the last eight years. And what made, was it just that it was on the shelf that made you get it? Or you just... I, you know, I had probably been looking through a list of, you know, yeah. best summer movies, baseball, whatever. It was on my list and I was probably around the bees in the library and was like, oh, Bull Durham. <laughs> So what was your your initial reaction was it sounds like kind of blah. Yeah, I I'm not even sure I rated it. I uh I think you did cuz I looked it up. Oh, do you remember what I rated it? You rated it 3 stars. Did I? That sounds about right. That sounds like me. 3 stars Ebling. That's, that's what, what they uh, call me. That's what they call you. That's your baseball yeah, name. That's my that's my baseball nickname. Yeah, when I was in the double double A's. I got I got up to double A. Oh. In the baseball movie minors. All right. Well, uh, we've watched this movie. We should probably get into our discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Who? What, what do you want to go with? What happened to you? Do you want to hear mine? What do you want to do? You want? I, I, yeah, I want to hear you. I want to hear what what you felt watching watching this movie that has been so long coming for you. Um. Yeah, I'll keep it nice and short. Didn't like this movie wow. at all. Didn't like it at all. No, just did not like it. I uh, would probably give it two stars. Wow. That's really not liking it. Well, one star or half star would be really not liking it. That would be hating it. Hating it, yeah. This is like... You really didn't like it. I could I could pick out maybe a few things that were worthwhile in it on the whole. Really disappointed in this movie. Wow. Do you feel like there was a buildup that aided this disappointment? Or even aside from that, you just felt disappointed? There might have been. Did a, you have expectations? Well, I did in a way. I mean, I'll be honest, I did because I, I, I like the cast. You know, as we mentioned in our last episode, I, I don't have anything against Kevin Costner like, like maybe you do. No, you uh, love him. <laughs> um, I like Tim Robbins. I think Susan Sarandon's a really great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always like everything she's in, but I, I, I really do think she's a really good actress. Yeah. And, and I just, I figured because honestly. I had never heard a bad thing about this movie uh-huh. at all. Like anyone who had seen this movie mm-hmm. seemed to really like it. Mm-hmm. Critics liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, fans seemed to like it. I was like, this seems like it's just going to be a good movie, you know? And I didn't, I don't think I was necessarily going into it thinking it was going to be a new favorite, but I mean, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like Hoping to be waiting and waiting and waiting for it to get good. A little bit and, of the, the enjoyment of it. Well, it got to the point where I started wondering if something was wrong with me. I'm mm-hmm. like, am I in a bad mood with this? But mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I watched it, I had to actually watch it over uh, three different periods. Mm-hmm. Um, not entirely because I was bored of it, maybe a little bit. Most of it was just timing wise, that's how I could squeeze it in. And I kept thinking like, it's got to get better. It's got to. Something's going to click. Nope. Nothing. I guess two stars in the sense that I don't have like a an animosity towards it. Like I don't like. I'm not like angry at it. You. So there were negative feelings while you were watching it. While what do you mean? Was there negative feelings? There were. Or? You you felt you felt like while you were watching it, you felt negatively towards the movie. Eventually, yeah. Hmm. I could tell you kind of the point at which that happens, okay. where I kind of turn on the movie a little bit, and okay. then it just never redeemed itself. But do you want uh, to save that? Yeah, let's save it because I want to hear. This is supposed to be just setting the bar mm-hmm. where we're at, and then we get into it. Yeah. I uh yeah so like I said I said the first time I watched it I thought well I've seen Bull Durham and the second time I watched it I thought 
Well, I've seen Bull Durham twice. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... So I'm not. I'm gonna keep it at three stars. Okay. So you're not like excited about no, this movie, no, right? I'm not. So I was hoping we could get into a little bit of a of, I, a, of I mean, an argument or debate or I, something. Maybe, but. maybe I guess there's some stuff that I there is stuff I like about it. Yeah. Um, and then there's stuff I want to talk about that I don't know if it's working at all, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like the movie's ideas about belief. Um, it might be the movie reaching for something that it it sh- shouldn't be or and it doesn't attain. But yeah, there were. Other, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know. I don't get the love. I don't for this know movie. what grabs people about this. And maybe maybe we should have had somebody on who does love it. Well, I guess I just kind of assumed that you uh, would find it. I would find it. I would get it. You know, even if I didn't personally mm-hmm. resonate with it, I'd be able to look at it and be like, oh, I could. That's why people love it, or you know, whatever. I mean, we even had, uh, you know. And, and, and I don't know. This is this. This could get awkward because even some of our listeners said this was their favorite baseball mm-hmm. movie. You put out a thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. and um, one of our listeners, Matt, you, you basically just asked, "What's what's everyone's favorite baseball movie?" And, and he said it used to be Field of Dreams, but for the past ten years, it's been Bull Durham. Yeah. Look, really looking forward to this episode, <laughs> Matt. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I hope I don't. I my intention is never to make someone who loves a movie. You need to put the the the, the prices right. and then no one said anything bad about bull durham when when you put that out and uh i sought out bad reviews for bull durham they're very hard to find find them very hard i feel like revisionist reviews are even there's a criterion coming out of this coming out of bull durham in july next month wow well criterion put out i know i know but I'm not saying that they're, you know, spotless, yeah. but it just seems like when the Criterion edition of something is coming out, they're saying to you, this is worthy of yeah. archive, this is worthy of, you know... It's not uh, quite Library of Congress, but... No, but, and then, I mean, they usually do have some, yeah. some thoughtful essays on it, mm-hmm. and, and then those usually sell you on why mm-hmm. this is at least worth remembering, and... I'm guessing one know. of the essays is, well, I've seen Bull Durham <laughs> three times. <laughs> That's the Ebling uh, essay. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> when Criterion asked me to write yeah. this essay, I thought, "Hey, oh, I'm gonna have to watch Bull Durham." A third hey, who time. should we get? The, yeah, let's get three star Ebling in here. <laughs> get, get old Double A. <laughs> uh, I do think because the movie starts right off the bat, <laughs> starts right off the bat with what you're talking about—that sort of religious idea yeah. of baseball. Um, or the belief system of baseball. Maybe if you have that already, or you have a sense of baseball being very important to you. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, is, is this that, a baseball fan's baseball movie? Well, and I, that could be. I believe in the church of baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isidore Duncan. I know things. For instance, there are 108 beads in a Catholic rosary and there are 108 stitches in a baseball. When I learned that, I gave Jesus a chance. But it just didn't work out between us. The Lord laid too much guilt on me. I prefer metaphysics to theology. You see, there's no guilt in baseball and it's never boring, which makes it like sex. 
But I always consider I, I I considered myself enough of a baseball fan. Baseball doesn't rub me the wrong way at all. It doesn't. Uh, Over the years, baseball started to rub me the wrong way. So is that what you're bringing into the movie then? No. Okay. I'm a I'm a professional. I can divorce those feelings. Well, that's good. <laughs> but I do wonder. I, I wonder if this this movie is so reverential towards baseball that that's part of its appeal to people that like. It gets at something that people, maybe people aren't like, oh, I'm, you know, religious about it, but um, that it gets at like, yeah, there's something more fulfilling about baseball than just watching guys Mm -hmm. swing pieces of wood around. Yeah. That could be true to a degree as far as one entry point into the movie, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes it easier for you to like this movie. But I think that... um, even if you didn't have that feeling towards baseball, if the movie was clicking in every other way, yeah, you'd be able to you'd be able sure. to go with it. It's not something that's so overbearing in the movie that it's that it's going to make it so that it's very hard to like this movie if you don't like baseball. No, but it is when um, the movie tries to step outside of baseball and make baseball broadly applicable. That's kind of the the area it goes towards. Yeah, is that idea of like ritual and mm-hmm. tradition and belief and yeah. But you know what, though? This is, uh, I don't know why it it kept coming up in my mind, um, but I found a lot of similarities with this movie and Almost Famous, Mm. where Bull Durham tries to really sell you right away on the love of baseball. And Almost Famous is kind of the same way with rock and roll music, like what it can do for you. Like, you know, how you have like, um, William's sister can't say what she means. She can just play this song. Yeah, and like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like this sense, like, and I always wondered, like, if you weren't really into rock music or if, if you never had that feeling of music, could this movie still work for you? Yeah. And I still think it could because the characters are so quirky. Mm-hmm. They're so interesting, you know, and Penny Lane is definitely like your, Penny Lane is the Kate, you know, the Kate Hudson's character is very much like, you know, Susan Sarandon's Annie Savoy is really yeah. like, the Band-Aid for baseball, you know? Sure. There's not an exact parallel, you know, as far as how the characters no, work. No, I think but it's a it's, good parallel, It's though. one it's very... that helps me, yeah. because music for me is that. Music, yeah. you don't have to sell me on music being a powerful thing and right. something that can be almost seen as transcendent or spiritual And the or community whatever, of know. a band and the, exactly. uh, the family yeah. that a band becomes and right. the, the community that forms around that um, is one that you are familiar with, that you've bought into. Yeah. Yeah, You've and experienced. I've experienced that. I've I've had a lot more experience as a musician than I have as a baseball player, uh-huh. and so like everything in that movie doesn't have to really like you know uh, explain it to me as yeah. much, you know. But I still feel like uh, not that There's Bull Durham a, needs to be yeah, almost yeah, yeah. famous, but like to me, like <laughs> Bull Durham's bad because I liked Almost Famous. <laughs> not what I'm getting at at all. Uh, what am I getting at? I guess I'm. I, I just feel like that movie is. Do you feel like that's part of what you're missing out on, possibly, with Bull Durham? I'm not connecting to these characters yeah. at all. No. I'm not. And actually, what boggles my mind, and someone's going to have to explain it to me, screenplay for this? Yeah. I think the screenplay's awful. I do, too. I think the dialogue is terrible, and Kevin Costner is not doing it any favors. He's not at all. And he's terrible in this movie. He's a bad actor. And I, for me to say that, I mean, I know he's not a great actor, but that's... That takes a little bit yeah. for me to admit that in this yeah. particular movie, he is very bad, he, I think. That's interesting. I, I definitely agree that he is not good. <laughs> um, especially, there was that line early on when he's in the, in the coach's office and they're telling him, you know, why he's there. And even if it is the Carolina League, this is a chance to play every day. You don't want a player, you want a stable pony. No, 
Well, my AAA contract gets bought out so I can hold the flavor of the month stick in the bus leagues. Is that it? Well, fuck this fucking game. And it's like he had <laughs> never sworn before or heard what the F word is or does. And they were like, no, say it. It's, things, it's a thing people say. And he's like, okay. And it was the worst line reading I think I've ever heard. A lot of it felt like Second line reading. only to Kevin Costner's do you yield line, <laughs> which I like because it's bad. Like that's like I get a kick out of that. Those you know? are the two that's worst the, line for, readings for the, in history. For listeners who aren't as aware of Kevin Costner movies, that's a wonderful line from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves that you just delivered probably better than Kevin Costner I think did. I did. <laughs> uh, but I, some of it feels like line reading with him. Yeah. Like it's like, did you even see the script before you did this? Like I'm going to hit on two things that annoy me at once with one scene. Mm-hmm. This movie is ostensibly supposed to be funny i don't i think i laughed twice maybe two scenes i find funny this movie is not funny uh but there's the scene where tim robbins is dreaming that he's in his underwear Mm -hmm. pitching which that's the joke by the way Mm -hmm. there's nothing more to it than that and then he wakes up like he's having a nightmare almost and kevin costner's sitting to him on the bus and seriously and we can just play the clip but he delivers the line like you're okay you're okay (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, wake up, huh? You're awake. You're okay. You were dreaming. You're okay. I was playing damn naked. What? I was naked. Playing naked. I know. I know, I have that dream all the time, too. We're almost home. <laughs> I mean, this is like the room bad, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. What what kind of thing is that in the screenplay? Like, I know I have that dream. Is that yeah. a thing? Do minor leaguers? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I dreamed I was. I know. No, let me tell you. I know. In your underwear. I know. Me too. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, is he going to say that he was talking in his sleep? Yeah. No, he just. I've seen I've seen somebody sleep fitfully like that before. That guy's definitely dreaming that he's pitching in his underwear. Yeah, no, I stupid. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's so stupid, and I, I and that's just one scene. One scene doesn't make it a bad movie, but I can go on and on. I mean, who was it? Like Billy Wilder? Somebody said a good a great movie is like three three good scenes and no bad ones. Yeah, so a bad scene makes a difference. Well, it's not the only bad scene. I can no, name off not. quite a few more. So here's here's the thing. There are two scenes that I think are funny. <laughs> okay. The lollygagging speech, I still think is funny. You guys, you lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. That's like kind of the classic Bull Durham scene. Okay. I think that mound meeting where they, they are talking about, like, everybody just co- joins in the meeting and starts bringing their problem. Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live, was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Well, uh, K 
candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, let's get two. Here we go. What I like about that is that there's no straight man in that scene. That's it's kind of a funny. It's it's a unique kind of style of comedy. There's nobody going like, "Can we please get back to baseball?" Like, there's yeah. none of that in there. Everybody just goes with it, and like, yeah. it's just kind of funny. Adds to the comedy of that scene. But those two scenes are so out of place. There's nothing else like them, right? And that that's where it's. And like, I didn't even like that scene you mentioned. That's oh, to me that felt like they had the premise for the scene and they just played it out. Like it, and maybe I had just turned on it by then, but like, yeah, I was maybe. like, okay, I get the joke here. And I just felt like it played out by the numbers and never did anything yeah. better than that. You know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I liked the comedic flow of that scene, sure. the meeting on the mound. But like I said, they're, they're completely out of place. There's nothing else like them in the movie. Tim Robbins is funny, but his character isn't especially. Well, he's kind of one note. He is. I, I do love the way, like when he's first shown on the scene, you see his bare ass. But, uh, but you love. That. I love that. Love that bare ass, Robbins. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what they call him. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a nickname, Everybody's right? Everybody's got a nickname. Several. <laughs> but what I do like is is he lays out that character really well in there because the way he delivers. Do I need a nickname? Should I have a nickname? I just feel like it's, it's mm-hmm. that dopey sort. Like you immediately get who this character. is. I think is. Tim Robbins is doing yeah. as much with the character as it could possibly be yes. done. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Susan Sarandon's character, Annie Annie Savoy, I don't really get her. I, I think does she have a job? Is well, she, she said she has a job. She said she teaches English like part time. Oh yeah, like a community. And that's college. why she's that's why she knows all this poetry. Poetry, right? She teaches English one hundred and one at a community college yeah. in composition. Part time, yeah, part time. So she does she have somewhat of a job. Wealthy? That's not a small house. No, but what is she? I don't know. Uh, she cares and knows a lot about baseball. Mm-hmm. The way that she expresses that is by picking one player a year to coach and sleep with mm-hmm. for the season. She's definitely in control of the sexual aspect of the relationship. Right. Um, but then you've got Millie, who seems to just sleep with people and have baseball knowledge, but not combine the two like Annie does. But Annie and Millie are friends does millie they scout together right or is millie is sort of millie like, her, like the vetting her, process yeah. like millie's the lower level like or she'll is, sleep with them but it doesn't seem like or is she kind of mentoring millie right i don't know seems like annie is supposed to be a strong character and i believe that she is a strong woman but you know what it seems to me is like rob shelton wanted to have a baseball movie with sex, sex. in it <laughs> Yeah. And was like, how can I make this happen? I can kind of unite the two if someone has that as part of their worldview or their paradigm. Yeah. If they yeah, kind of yeah, see yeah. sex as, and that's how sex is kind of treated in this movie. It's almost like a currency system or like yeah. a or like a, a mushroom that Mario gets. You know, like yeah. if you just sleep with someone, you 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 well, sleep with her. Them she teaches them how to have sure. sex, and by teaching them how to have sex, she opens their mind, and by opening their mind, she transforms the way that they approach baseball which which the best way to be a good baseball player is to not think right i just you know what something strikes me in this movie as like and this isn't just talking about the way it deals with sex or the annie character it just feels like this is like a 17 year old's idea of what an adult movie looks like mm-hmm. you know or what a or what a mature mm-hmm. romantic relationship looks like or what growing old looks like i mean the stuff that it thinks is profound yeah. Is yeah. so 
ridiculous. Right. His speech about what he believes, what he believes in. in. <laughs> the soul. And then number two on that list, the, the cock. cock. Yeah. Number the three, pussy. the pussy. Yeah. Now, this isn't being said in a way that's like Tom Cruise and Magnolia, where you're supposed to be like, this guy's a sleazebag. No, you're supposed You're to. supposed to actually be like won over by this guy. And Annie is she immediately. Is. That's the moment. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. You know, Shelton's probably writing this thing saying, like, every down-to-earth American man's going to be like, hell yeah, when they hear this. You know, opening presents on Christmas Day. And say, are, you know, you, are you a Christmas Eve guy? I'm not. Okay. So I had agreed. That was one where I was him. like, hell you yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> and then he goes on to Susan Sontag. Susan and Sontag. You say, and then he pivots over to like the long, wet kisses. And I'm just like, oh my he God. He pivoted this is, earlier this because is... after he says he believes in the pussy, number four is he believes in the small of a woman's back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I don't know what he means by believing in it, does, that it exists. Yeah. He's just, he's got, he's, he's just, he's a very concrete, <laughs> I believe in the small of a woman's back. I believe in the hanging curveball. And I don't feel like Susan Sontag novels are especially strong talk- talking points at this point. Maybe in 88, it was <laughs> yeah. like, why is everybody praising Susan Sontag? They are self-indulgent, overrated crap. If only someone would say it. Uh, it's kind of funny that Kevin Costner says he believes that Lee, Lee Harvey yes, Oswald Yes, I thought the same alone. thing, Yeah, given that he most certainly would not in his later roles. Right. Uh, I believe a single role. Yeah, it's a weird... Did you do you remember which one preceded opening presents on Christmas morning? Softcore pornography. Softcore. Oh yeah. <laughs> do we need to get into that? I don't know. Shelton certainly loves softcore <laughs> pornography because he decided to sit and make the last third of his movie practically that. That's right. But, you know what's here's I I, I full this. And I'm not a prude person. I just think it's cheesy as hell. It was dumb. It's so cheesy. I all right. The sex in this movie is cheesy. Well, it doesn't help that it's got that saxophone playing. Yeah, and that's but that's just one part of the problem with the sex scenes in this movie. Yeah. So get this. All right. I I didn't I. I you talked about watching this in, in parts. I fell asleep for the last 20 minutes of the movie. So last night did I, re- oh, you did re- I okay, re-watched you it, yeah. and it was all their sex. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't need that. <laughs> it, the last part of this movie is essentially just really, really cliche, like 80s VHS softcore pornography sex with like bad saxophone in every setting. Got the bathtub, you got the dinner table, spilling the milk. He and throws he did, his Wheaties bowl do, into the sink. He didn't even do that naturally. He no, couldn't it act. it was so awkward. He couldn't act throwing stuff off the table I, to have I sex. I feel like know. that was ad-libbed. That Kevin Costner was like, here's how, yeah, watch. Because <laughs> I don't think it's so it's, unnatural. And someone in the crew is like, shh, I gotta, I gotta clean, clean up all that, that up. <laughs> we'll just Come have on. her do it later in the scene. Yeah, Because yeah, that's what she does. In. Yeah, Write this in. Yeah, she does clean it up. And it's just, it's like a clip show. 
Uh-huh. Like, let's have sex here. Let's have sex there. And then, like, I forget I forget if it's the breakfast one or if it's a different one where, like, she's knocked over and then she holds on to, like, the, the table leg and this camera goes up to the stuff on the table, like, shaking. No, that was, like, her dresser or something. Yeah, her dresser. And, like, there's stuff on there, like, shaking. But it, it looks like they cut the camera and someone went down there with their arm and, like, shook the stuff. Yeah. Like, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look like... It's true. Hey, what I, did they start <laughs> doing? Like, hey... <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, you gotta slow down, Craig. <laughs> and every time it like moves away, because you're right. So the first time they're on the floor, or no, it's later, or whatever. They're on the floor, and the dresser stuff starts shaking. There's another time where the camera moves away from them, and water turn like splashes on the candles <laughs> yeah, from the bathtub. Right. It's all like, about. Not like, only it's is almost it like a gag, not, it's, it's but just, yeah, but it's not. not. It's not supposed to be. It's just like. Yeah. All right. We'll put them in this situation. We'll show them. Then we'll move away to something in the room being affected by their sex. And uh, it's just weird and awful. I felt like I was watching a Hot Shots movie. But then like, what's weirdest, when, too, is that the same sort of saxophone is just used everywhere else. Yes. And so you've got like Crash and Nuke talking in the locker room. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got like gross... Susan Sarandon kissing Kevin Costner's hairy, hairy belly stomach, and, yeah. and nipples and yeah. All I was thinking was like, oh, poor women who have to deal with yeah. our hairy bodies. <laughs> you weren't thinking about how hot that was? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like how when they yelled cut, Susan Sarandon was just pulling hair out of her tongue <laughs> off her tongue. Yeah. Reset and Susan Sarandon, hang on. <laughs> Teach their own, I suppose. Did anyone think that was hot? I don't they know. must have. They must I can't have. say. I can't say. Maybe. They must have. This movie wouldn't have been the, you know, audience favorite that it was, I don't think, if everyone else saw it as cheesy as we did. Uh, yeah. Because it's a lot of the movie. Yeah. I don't know if there's more to say about that. It's all weird. It's just weird. <laughs> the, sex, <laughs> the sex stuff. The sex and the sex. Um, so, I, this is jumping around a little bit, but I want to talk about Crash. Um because I, I actually don't think throughout the movie Kevin Costner is bad. I think there are times where like the disgruntled crash, yeah. Kevin Costner does a pretty good job. But what's weird about it is that I can't tell if he really wants to have fun. Like that scene where he's like, I can get you a rain delay and turns oh, on yeah. the sprinklers. Because he's kind of like a prankster sometimes. But then he's also like so hard on Nuke and mm-hmm. like, you can't, uh, don't do that. Uh, shower shoes. And if he was like that all the time, I'd be like, I get it. Yeah. Because he's kind of a hard ass. But the movie tries too hard to make him likable. Mm-hmm. And so you've got those scenes, like that stupid speech about what he believes in that, I think, ties into like his thing with the sprinklers mm-hmm. and just the way that he is sort of like a goofball sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, one charitable reading I'll give of that is Nuke is not part of the scene you're talking about with the sprinkler system. Right. If we're going to buy the fact that Crash is someone who is that perceptive and that wise and kind of knows people right off the bat, if they've got it or if they don't. He's a real team player. And he's a team player, so he kind of can see that like these guys here, they're not going anywhere. Let's just have fun. These guys are not the ones that are going to go on to the show. You know, Sure. They're in it for the chicks. They're in it to just have some fun. Hey, fellas, that's what we need, man. One night with some of these skaters, we can get right back on track. Yeah, right. We just need a night off to end our losing streak. What we need is a rain out. I'd get us a rain out. Man, there ain't been a cloud in the sky in weeks. 100 bucks says I'd get us a rain out for tomorrow. 
man. And then I think that he knows that Nuke is really, he's got something. He just needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And he's not willing to do that kind of, you know, goofball stuff around him. Yeah, you might be right about um, that. And then he also, as to your question of whether he just wants to have fun, um, he does kind of have fun with himself at Nuke's expense when, you know, when he realizes that Nuke's just not going to listen to him. And mm-hmm. he goes and he goes to the player from the other team and tells says, him what the pitch this is. This one's going to be a fastball, you know? Yeah. He knows that his time's kind of up, yeah. you know? And so how can he make the best of it? Well, he can kind of try to coach this kid along and then yeah. kind of have some fun along the way. And if this sure. kid's not going to listen, then I'll have my own fun with him. That's the way I read it, at least. Yeah, I can see that. But I just think a lot of this movie is stuff that Shelton wanted to get in. Yeah. And he kind of just picked whatever character was the most convenient to get it in with. Yeah. You know? And I think that's true about a lot of the things that happen in the movie. It's like, well, what, what, what would make that character do that? What would make we, so Millie sleeps with tons of people. This ultra religious character asks if he can give her his testimony we have no idea what happens in that point, and then they get married. Mm-hmm. Those are two characters who, which, by the way, I think that's the joke, right? But it, but by it, it, there's nothing within those characters. Nothing about Millie has shown that she seeks settling down. Nothing about right. Millie shows that she is attracted to this guy mm-hmm. above anybody else. Nothing about Millie that shows that she wants to change the way she's been acting, and nothing about this guy that shows that he's interested in Millie at all, right? And nothing about his belief system that shows that he was looking to marry anybody, let alone Millie. But now they've gotten married. What mm-hmm. happened? Did she did she seduce him and they had sex? And he was like, well, this was great. Let's get married. Well, what happened within his character to do that? Like, there's just, it's just, oh, and then they do. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it just seems like a really immature uh-huh. screenplay to mm-hmm. me. Like, this person, and in fact, I'll... I'll tell you you know we i i always and i know you do the same thing because we bring him up quite a bit but you know i always tend to read ebert's reviews before mm-hmm. before we you know we talk because he's always got you know interesting insights and writes so damn well but well he, he said something like the movie knows he closed more about baseball than it does about love well to me like the reason he loved the movie was the reason i hated the movie oh this is uh, Roger Ebert, the closing paragraph of his Bull Durham review. Bull Durham is a treasure of a movie because it knows so much about baseball and so little about love. The movie is a completely unrealistic romantic fantasy. And in the real world, the delicate little balancing act of these three people would crash into pieces. But this is a movie, and so we want to believe in love. And we want to believe that once in a while, lovers can get a break from fate. That's why the movie's ending is so perfect. Not because it seems just right, but because it seems wildly impossible. And we want to believe it anyway. I'm kind of like, that just felt so flat to me because yeah. I'm like, who wants to believe that? I didn't care. I honestly did I not care it, who ended up with like who I feel like what movie. he's saying is that based on what came before all that, the movie has gotten us to buy in, gotten him to buy in so much that the implausibility of it is irrelevant. Yeah. But that just didn't happen with either of us. Right. That we didn't buy in. And that he sees it as a plus that the movie knows so much about baseball and so little about love. Mm-hmm. But why why would that be a that why would Positive. that be a benefit to the movie? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to have a movie that knows a lot about both and yeah, can say it can, it can say interesting. Uh, it says nothing good about love. No. 
And the baseball, as far as it feeling like an insider's thing, I will say I appreciate that this is a baseball movie that's unique in that it's not really around like one game. Right. Or like, you know, one moment or like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a, I, I do like that actually. I kind of like the the mundane aspect of it, you know, and well, the, the sort of uh, day in, day out, this is what it's like to be a baseball player in the minors. So it's not even like the stakes aren't even that right. high. It's not the show. It's but I also feel like the insider aspect of it is a lot of like just dropping vocabulary yeah. as like a way of establishing like this feels so real because we call it the show and he's the meat and this is the cheese and you know yeah. I feel like if I was someone who had some decent baseball skills and I somehow got in the minor leagues and started using that vocabulary now like all the yeah. players would be like are you just some idiot who watched Bull Durham and thought you knew a lot about baseball you know well as as we bring up. Ebert, we also bring in our listener, Eric, who emails us, because he had a very benign view of the movie, too. He said, "Um, for all the F-bombs and breezy fornication contained within, my impression on rewatch was, what a nice movie. There's no villain. Nobody's mean. There's no malice or threat. The fights aren't scary. It's a fantasy world where the men all play baseball, and the main thing about the women is their sexual availability. Now, I, I I can see something that's like, that's simple. Mm-hmm. It's nice and clean. If you've been listening over the last few episodes, <laughs> you know that Nate and I don't necessarily aren't super charitable to a movie where a woman's value is her sexual availability. But we won't we won't get into. Th- I don't think we need to get into that. Not I think in this it case, sort of it's, speaks for itself. It speaks for itself, and also I I, I think the movie it, it at least it makes an effort to give her some depth and some yeah some, absolutely. You know, some, I think Eric's right in saying that to the men, that's all she really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that the movie does seem to say she's a lot more than that. Certainly. But I think Eric makes a good point that the movie, for everything it does fall back too easily on, it doesn't fall back on cheap raising of the stakes. There isn't some arbitrary villain or team to beat or... um, there's nobody has it out for anybody that what does feel very real is the maturity and kind of cynicism of crash and the ego and idealism of nuke Mm -hmm. butting heads. Right. That synthesizes a little bit like, you know, actually that nuke needs a little bit of crash's cynicism because when he gets to the majors, you do see that he uses those sound bites and they do him well, you know? And you get the sense that crash was too idealistic and not cynical enough when he was in the the majors. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I think the movie if is doing its best work or could have done its best work is by really getting into that idea of this is nukes coming of age story. And this is crashes, um, dealing with the realities of aging story, like mm-hmm. dealing with what was a life that I, the, the regrets of a life I didn't live and how is that driving his behavior? But because that stuff wasn't fully developed or developed well enough, it doesn't necessarily feel as motivated as it could. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe just to us. I mean, it yeah, seems like maybe, maybe a lot other, people other people did say like, oh no, I picked up on him totally. But but yeah, for me, I feel like, I, but that stuff is still definitely there. I just feel like it gets lost in a mix of, well, I wanted it to be about sex and love and philosophy and poetry and religion and minor leagues and uh, all these different mm-hmm. sorts of superstitions in baseball yeah. and sorts of things. And it all just kind of gets muddled in mm-hmm. there. So for me, one thing that's working well, I have a hard time seeing it as the point. There's a, again, it's a kind of a clunky because it's just given to us in a speech, but that idea of when he says, I just want to be, 
Like now at this point, after he's off the team, when he quits baseball, he says, I just want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the last scene of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a pretty fascinating idea to when in your life do you make the transition to, I want to be something yeah. to, I just want to be, mm-hmm. I, I realize that I am what I'm going to be. And I want to be that now. Yeah. And I want to be content with that. Yeah. But I also feel like in that scene, and you're right, the movie is definitely um, most interested in Crash's character on that. But even though it's supposed to be a moment between Annie and Crash, it only seems to really care about Crash. Like, right. you, I don't really, yeah. un- I, I don't feel like there's yeah. any understanding of why she would decide at that point. She's with him on that. Me too. Like, why? Yeah. Because Nuke made it. I mean, what's their, I don't understand mm. why this is when she decides to hang it up, you know? Right, for like, her. To her, I mean, if you're, if you're supposed to believe- It makes sense for Crash. It makes yeah. sense for Crash, but to me, it's like, was she that taken with his softcore porn sex that she was ready to be like, <laughs> yeah, was, me too. I'm kind of sick of this too. Because you never got that foreshadowed anywhere, I no. don't think, you know? Unless I missed it. I, I didn't notice that she was getting tired of it or yeah. anything. But are you just supposed to say like, well, Crash was the one for her and she was just finally waiting for- the guy who believed in Christmas and I mean, I guess if you want to draw that line yourself because you want to just believe this is, you know, a romantic comedy and that's what happens sure. in romantic Suspension comedies. Of disbelief, that's fine. Sure. But I don't think the movie has helped you draw that conclusion in any no, way. No, you know? no. And it's weird that it wouldn't because in other points it feels like it really needs to telegraph everything yeah. verbally to you. <laughs> no. The parts where Tim Robin is speaking on the map. On the, uh, on the, on mound, the mound. Yeah. Talking to himself. What's this guy know anyway? He's so great. How come he's been in the minors for 10 years? He's so hot. How come Annie wants me instead of him? Oh, hey. And another thing, me. You don't know shit, right? You want to make it to the show, you'll listen to me. Annie only wants you because she can boss you around. Got it? So relax. Let's have some fun out here. This game's fun, okay? It's fun, goddammit. And don't hold the ball so hard, okay? It's an egg. Hold it like an egg. He know about fun. I'm young. I know about fun. An old man, he don't know nothing about fun. Wow, you just gave us the theme of the movie cool, thank you. verbally as right. if this was the pitch to the producer. Yeah. Now, is that going to be in the movie? Yeah, it can be, yeah. <laughs> None of that had to be said. I know. None of it. Do you think maybe we should rewrite it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd be that hard. To, you just got to update, you know, less saxophone. I, I think we go all in with the saxophone. Oh, okay. Saxophone, and then we voice over everything. Like no during, dialogue. Yeah, during the sex scene, there's just saxophone and voiceover of someone saying, then I kissed his hairy belly. <laughs> someone. Not one of the two characters, <laughs> no, just no. somebody. Yeah, and then maybe quote some Walt Whitman. In yeah, there and... of course. Get James Franco reading Walt Whitman. <laughs> I, I, am, I, am I stupid? I know the team is the Durham Bulls. But why is the movie named Bull I Durham? D- didn't catch that either. I could have swore that was the name of Kevin Costner's character. <laughs> Mr. Durham. <laughs> he plays on the Durham Bulls. <laughs> it's one of the more subtle things about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't answer that for you. I also did not catch why that is. Yeah, so I, I, I googled why the movie is called Bull Durham. All right. Let's hear it. Apparently, Durham Bulls is a play on an already well-known phrase, Bull Durham. 
According to Wikipedia, it says the film's name is based on the nickname for Durham, North Carolina, which was which has been called Bull Durham since the 1800s, mm. when W. T. Blackwell and Company named its product Bull Durham Tobacco, which soon became a well-known trademark. James B. Duke purchased the company and renamed it American Tobacco Company. By this time, the time the nickname Bull Durham had already stuck. And Ron Shelton played minor league baseball. I didn't know that. I, um, I mean, and actually, if you read reviews on Bull Durham, they certainly make sure to mention that in every single review. Oh, really? As the reason why the movie has it's a so, good insider so legitimate. perspective. Yeah. And I uh, just for more baffling, uh, baffling to you and me, not baffling to everybody. Um, Maybe only me and you. The, yeah, possibly. Bull Durham was named Best Screenplay uh, in 1988, uh, Best Screenplay of 1988 by the New York Film Critics Circle. In 2003, Sports Illustrated ranked Bull Durham as the greatest sports movie, ranked 55 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies, ranked 97 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Laughs, number one on Rotten Tomatoes' Top Sports Movies, Entertainment Weekly ranked Bull Durham as the fifth best DVD of their top 30 sports movies on DVD. (laughs) (laughs) What a list! (laughs) (laughs) Number five. You'll love this one. Number five on their list of 50 sexiest movies ever. Five? Number five. You think this movie's sexy? Who thinks this movie is sexy? Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, I don't know. Well, um, I feel like I've said as much positive stuff as I can say about this movie. I think we're best buds. You think so? I think you like this movie more than I do. That's not saying much. Well, I guess you didn't disagree. You didn't really disagree with any of the gripes I had with the movie. No, but I, I think I, I mutual understanding. If that, clearly, if you don't think we're best buds, then we're not. I think we both have to agree to that. I think you'd have to dislike just this movie a little bit of, more. Okay, that's just the definition of best buds. If I, if I think we're best buds and you don't, then we're not. Okay, it lends the episode a little more drama, I guess. Yeah. So mutual understanding. Um, I, I really do want to hear from people. Yeah. Because. I, I don't get it as far as like <laughs> on gr- that we're best buds, greatness. I think. like great yeah I don't know I'd be curious to hear what it is people love about this movie um, I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not looking to be able to say I watched Bull Durham a third time but okay if you give me a compelling enough thing to look for or reason that you were feeling you feel so strongly for it yeah. So, uh, oh, we we got to talk. Uh, uh, star ratings. Are you changing? No. Your three stars still. No. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I am two and a half. Like I. I two and a half. I don't care. <laughs> I really. I'm not going to change it. Okay. Three. <laughs> three for you. Whatever. <laughs> three for you. Two for me. So let's talk about our uh, next episode then, and uh, move on from Bull Durham. So a couple a couple different things about this episode. Right. Next, uh, our next episode. Our next episode. One of which is uh, we don't exactly know when we're going to do it right. because you, uh, my wife's going to wife, have a baby yeah. in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, number two, very exciting. For you. Second baby. Yeah, we, uh, we have a son. We'll have a girl mm-hmm. next. She's due the end of June. As we record this, it's mid early June. Yeah, but what we don't know is after the baby's born what my life is going to look like. Right. And so we are thinking maybe we'll need to take a month off, but maybe not. 
we'll see how we feel. So how you feel, really? Yeah. How, and well, and how my I feel. Because, feels. I mean, let's be honest. This is also going to take a toll on me. Yeah. Your 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 family having a child is yeah uh, going to bring all sorts of sleepless nights for me. Yeah, and I know. Um, yeah, I told Kelsey that we we need to check in with you right pretty frequently. Yeah. See how I'm doing. Yeah. And she and you know to be fair, she said why. Now is not the time for me yeah. to really get into it. I, I didn't mean to like corner you, right? Because it's not fair. No, it's to, not fair. to make you explain that. No, I just need you to know that that's where she is right now. That she wants to know why why we need to her, check in. Her with. having a baby it is, is a, takes a toll on about me. You. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and ultimately it's kind of about me. Right. I think that's part of what she wants to know too. Why is it why about that? Me? Is she just doesn't see it. As clearly as you do, and, as and, and you too. It's, it's just right? not so obvious to her. Yeah. I couldn't explain it. If I, if I'm being honest, I don't get it either. And now this is going to keep me up at night. The fact. See, that, and I didn't want point, that to happen. The point. The point being, we. You, uh, yeah. all, more for me, I don't know if I can record our episode next month. Yeah, morning I will be fine. You're we'll be good to go. You're having. You're, you know the 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 wonderful blessing of you having your second child. Is is just going to be too much for it's me? Possibly. For I don't no, know. We don't. Know. I don't know. So, um, that being said, whenever we record our next episode, we're, we're going way uh, way back. We realized we hadn't done a lot of old movies. No, and recently it was time. And we also, if I'm correct, we have not done an Alfred Hitchcock movie. No, we have not. Which seems, I mean, geez, what episode are we on now? Sixty four. This will be sixty five. It seems a little irresponsible. Seems like maybe we should have. Yeah. So we're doing. Celebrating its 60th anniversary, Vertigo. Vertigo. Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. Um, we'll have a lot to talk about. I think so. This is a big movie because uh, in back in 2012, uh, the British Film Institute's Sight and Sound magazine gave uh, this the top spot. Greatest film of all time, mm-hmm. Vertigo. And um, I, I honestly think that I need to revisit this movie. So I'm excited to do this, actually. I'm excited mm-hmm. to revisit this Me movie. Too. It's one that's been on my list to do for a long time yeah. who knows though if i'm watching it sleep deprived oh yeah <laughs> this could be a whole it new might thing. be a real yeah. tough one wow are you saying that because you think it might be hard to get through just staying awake or are you saying that well, because that. it could just be like a hallucinatory yeah kinda, but like, that just, too you know really mess be, with you kind right, of thing yeah, yeah. that'd be cool i suppose so it'd be a real different take yeah I think we've gotten pretty good at, at sleep-deprived recordings. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're solely going on caffeine buzz and a little alcohol chill factor going in. I don't know. It's a, yeah. yeah. Summer. We've we're got that summer summer, summer energy. Mm-hmm. Both uh, tan, bronzed from uh, being outside, working in the yards. Glistening. I'm not glistening. Oh, you're not glistening. I just noticed that. I'm glistening and you're not. Yeah, it was the glare really off awkward. of your glisten. <laughs> My glisten was so strong, you were actually getting sort of a residual glisten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a, quite a mirage, but it's no. a similar effect. I won't say it's a common phenomenon, but it, it's... The glistening? The the mirage like <laughs> The glisten, glisten mirage? Yeah. Few people are in this circumstance. Yeah, but, but it happens. It's, it happens. It's a documented phenomenon yeah yeah i read about um oh you yeah. do not glistening specifically but different not quite mirages but 
like mirages. There's not a word. The lesser known mirages. Yeah, there's not a word for it. Yeah. It makes because the books real long because they have to keep referring to it in these circuitous sort of ways. Right. Like, they not can't a just mirage, drop a but name. Like you get yeah. it. It's right. Like what they always refer to it as. Mm-hmm. I think that's the name of the book, right? Not a mirage, but you get it. Well, one of the foundational books. Yeah, one of the early. I, yeah. I mean, I the most influential yeah. of the lesser known mirage. Was, yeah, um, the, the post war study of these. Uh, soldiers who had never been in certain lights in the Pacific, and mm, they were uh, coming back with all sorts <clears throat> of uh, new perspectives. Right, exactly, and they had, they had questions mirage, about different different phenomena. Mm-hmm. Not, again, not glistening base. Glistening is it's 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 not a glistening centric study. No, but it it's it, it falls into that category. So the soldiers right. weren't necessarily talking about okay. glistening. All right, exclusively it was no. mainly it was mainly ocean ocean. Well, glisten for lack of a better word, but like the sparkling, the water sparkling mm-hmm. mirage that right. happened. And it turns out it never was. It never like ocean water doesn't sparkle. Oh. It's it's always a mirage when you see that. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it's not a mirage, but it's like a mirage. Oh, I see. That's like than, one of the yeah. most common ones. Like, Couldn't you use that as kind of a shorthand? Like you, you know, like um, if you're saying like it's not quite a mirage, but it's like when you see the sparkle of the ocean. Yes. But most people aren't even aware that that's. Oh, but they'd be like, "Isn't that a mirage?" And then that's too much of a conversation to have. It just tires you out. There are actually like the the early books did refer to it as that whole thing, that that whole thing (laughs) that we just said. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that sounds like a great book. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, it sounds really fascinating. Yeah, that's what um, I like is that you uh, look into all these things, and I'm sure that they 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 enhance our discussions we do for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And there may be part of that that I can bring into the Vertigo discussions. We'll see. Oh, yeah, I'd be very uh, curious to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be. I'm sure our listeners would be too. Yeah, I'm sure they have things to say about the mirages that that, like they're like mirages, but not mirages. Yeah, like the ocean sparkling. Yeah. Like the most common one, but Um, so weigh in um, on that or on uh, Bull Durham if you can explain that to us. Reach out to us on Facebook. uh, Just can we still be friends? Podcast on Twitter at CWSBF. We also have our website, can we still be friends.net. Send us an email feedback at can we still be friends.net. Give us a call. Number is 847-306-9532. I'm going to say it twice. I don't do that very often. Um, But, you know, just in case you need to go grab a pen and paper. Yeah. 847-306-9532. That's the number. You know, and if you call us, we'll we'll put it in the episode. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, we'll do it, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. Maybe. Maybe. Well, what do we got to lose? That's a good point. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we won't put everything in. Yeah, you might be right. But we love hearing from you guys, whatever mm-hmm. you have to say. Uh, and we look forward to maybe next month, maybe in two months, yeah, talking whenever. about Vertigo. Check out Vertigo. And thank you for listening to our Bull Durham episode. I really hope that we didn't offend the big fans of this movie. Uh, yeah, you know. I bet we did. Well, I hope that they continue to listen. That's, yeah. We don't care if you're offended. You just really <laughs> got to get those numbers. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
you can't, uh, don't do that, uh, shower shoes. 